Welcome to the Upstack Podcast, an ever-evolving conversation on all things digital infrastructure, giving tech leaders food for thought as they push to stay ahead of the technology curve. I'm Alex Cole, and with my co-host and colleague, Greg Moss, we invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the latest technology infrastructure topics. Stay with us. Greg Moss, we're, we're back. You're back. Turn up the AC. Good to see you, my friend. And, and actually, we just saw each other. Your listener, Greg and I are just back. We had, we had a, a company-wide event in Austin, Texas, and we got together the almost 200 colleagues for a few days, and it was phenomenal. And, and Greg and I actually found time to go on a hike. And Greg, I, I remember we were on our hike. Maybe it wasn't the most vigorous hike. This isn't you know, a hike that you prefer, but it was more than enough for me. We were catching up and always brainstorming around topics for the podcast. And, and, and you said, you know, every company is a tech company. I never thought of it that way. And you're right. And from there, we started digging deeper into you know, the needs of a company, the needs of any technology company, technology, and, and how so many organizations um, don't have the benefit of a procurement department. And that's okay because there's still there's still resources out there to help them on that. You know, source the right technology for their their business. And you know, f- five hours later after our epic hike, or maybe half an hour, when my heart rate right. went down from sixty to forty three, uh, I think we both had an epiphany that we have the perfect person to join our podcast. We do exactly, and that's where the name John Marcheson popped into mind. And I said, "Tell me more." And, and now John Marcheson, everybody, is, is on the podcast as our guest today. John, welcome. That that's, was quite the, uh, quite the intro for me. I'm, I'm flattered that you thought of me on your 22-minute on your, uh, hike, was it? 22-minute. It was very vigorous. Heart rates were up. Heart rates were up. And heart rates will be up for, for this podcast as well. But, John, we, again, thank you for being with us. Uh, by way of background, this is, this is my favorite part of the podcast. John, you're, you're a managing director at REIT, uh, which REIT is a, I believe it's a global management consulting firm uh, that prides itself on driving strategic profitability improvement, data-driven solutions, and also providing customers of various sizes with market intelligence um, across industries. Now, I think for, I don't want to, I don't want to date you, but for over three decades, is that I, I stopped assessment. at 30 plus. 30, <laughs> 30 plus, plus is, is, is where I tap out. The rest of my but number. <laughs> be 30 plus years I believe it. I believe in the industry. Done. Age is but a number, but a, Age a great but career a number. it's been. Uh, but you've supported clients across a range of industries, higher education, healthcare, uh, you name it. And I believe um, in our pre-call, you talked about both public and private universities, academic medical centers, specialty hospitals, and, and you really focus on strategic planning, uh, digital enhancement, and, and profitability improvement, kind of overall business transformation, and, and also making that change in a very sustainable way for for your clients and, and the clients of REIT. We're on today's episode of the Upstack Podcast. We're going to dig a little deeper into technology, sourcing, and procurement. Stay with us. I'd like to set the stage with um Every company is a technology company these days. Yeah. And because of this, the challenges within the, you know, the procurement ecosystem within these organizations is being challenged. And what I mean by that is, you know, the small and medium sized businesses, 
Their budget holders are spending lots and lots of time identifying vendors. The enterprise, you know, their their procurement teams are just aren't technical enough to keep up. And how do we address yeah. these kinds of things in the market? I think that's a great place to start because, I mean, we literally are, are witnessing technology becoming an increasing line item for for the for the op operating expense across every industry consumer goods retail tech companies people based businesses i mean it is an escalating cost that uh, has the attention of cfos because they're saying you know, where, when does it end and every year there are new and you know new requirements are coming on like the big one now cybersecurity data data you know data risk management are requiring really entire operations costs technologies to be built that didn't exist a few years ago and that's additive on top of their core business systems maintaining their infrastructure and you know in the other help desk and the other costs that have existed so i mean there's no there's no end in sight in terms of the overall growth of it costs for any business small medium or large i'm already confused i mean all these words you threw at me and i'm in procurement and i'm in technology and you know i can only imagine what some of these kind of vertical these kind of what we call late adopter verticals uh, you know legal insurance healthcare yeah. uh, you know how their procurement teams are handling stuff like this like how do they keep stay ahead of it like are they doing it themselves well i think that's the challenge greg because procurement aren't necessarily technologists they don't understand the the needs the features the functions the the, the strategic imperatives between, behind technology and then you've got technology folks that feel they have all that knowledge, but they're not sourcing, they're not procurement people. And so in terms of going to market, they're not, they don't have the skill sets to actually go out there and look, uh, you know, look independently at the, you know, the costs of what they're procuring, uh, looking at not only unit costs, but just managing demand over the course of a, of a, of a, a vendor life cycle and so these these techniques that procurement uses to manage cost in the spend area are, are are lost in the technology space because the two sides just don't speak each other's language so that, that gap remains go ahead greg no i i love that i love that and i i think it's interesting because you know the the, the message that i've been hearing from a lot of my clients in smb are we're spending way too much time sourcing right? Because they don't have access to people to help them source. I mean, upwards of 35% of their week is spent trying to identify vendors to work with. And then after those vendors are identified, um, you know, how do we structure the agreements with these vendors? I and mean, that's a lot of work. It, it is a ton of work. And it's probably a large reason why a lot of it's not actually being done. You know, the, the, the goal of, of the technology team, you know, or the, or the attitude and mindset tends to be like, I need it. I need it to either meet my current customer demands. You know, I need it to stay ahead of of maintenance schedules. You know, I need it to to plug a gap, and so their focus tends to be on how do we get it in as quickly as possible. Um, and, and so, the the actual the procurement, the nature of the deal, becomes a secondary to actually getting the right technology, which. Is, is fine. I mean, they're, that's what they're there for. Their mission is to ensure that their technology, whether it's, it's in, in, in automating and delivering an efficient business process or meeting the needs of the customer, I mean, that's their core focus. But 
you know, given the economic conditions that, that we're in, I mean, every company is looking to cut costs at this, you know, this point in time. It's just a mindset that can't operate and continue going forward. So in a way, it's, it's you know, we've talked about the plight of the, the budget owners, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. They've got a full-time job, a team to manage, a boss to manage up to, and then they have this sourcing responsibility that comes their way, and maybe they just want to get it done as quickly as possible instead of approaching it in a more strategic way, which is really what procurement has become today. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm hearing. It's less go buy that thing or go source that good or service and more let's think of that. Let's think of this through a strategic lens. It's, 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 a, great, it's a great question, Alex. The technology's changed so significantly in the last decade that it's not black and white. It's not as simple as just picking a technology or picking the leader in the space. Everything's become so nuanced that when you go and look at a subset of vendors, it's really about who's going to fit my specific need now, who's going to allow me to scale. Those, you know, that, dude, that level of due diligence is not black and white, and it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're spending a lot of time, you know, working in that space right now, which is really, I mean, these are strategic decisions. You know, who a supplier is can will impact the, the business anywhere from the next three to upwards of 10 years, depending upon the size and scope of, of the decision that, that's being made. And so it needs to be made thoughtfully, carefully, um, well-defined in terms of what uh, what what is the the features the functions the services the capabilities that that are associated with it because they, I mean the the risk to a business of making the wrong decision right is really complete disruption to the business at times so so the diligence in terms of of really making sure that they have a clear understanding of the direction that they're going and how a particular technology fits within their overall technology stack and roadmap Right, the fit of all the pieces is taking more and more time from from uh, IT leaders. So figuring out how to to architect that ideal technology puzzle in a way. So what I'm hearing is there's a kind of an educational aspect to it. You know, mar staying apprised of market intelligence. You know, we we touched on the rapidly changing landscape. How are you going to do that when you have so much else on your plate already? Which is probably where. Uh, one of the many values of working with a third party who this is what they do and that's why they can help it navigate uh take you through the process so so efficiently and effectively for your organization yeah yeah uh, that's a that's a great question and, and i think it's really why this this topic is so important at this point in time because I, we're all aware of the economic conditions that exist right now I mean, inflation, inflation is running and doesn't look like there, it's gonna, going to you know, stop at, at, at any point in time. You know, the, cost of, the cost of debt, which many companies use to finance operations, is increasing to a point that, that uh, I mean, it's, it's having a significant impact into their bottom line. Um, you know, the, the, the big, you know, big term that we're hearing this year from, from organizations is, right, is they, they have to reduce costs and they have to increase the valuation of their, of their company by being a, a stronger, you know, a stronger, you know, financially, you know, driven, improved cash flow, increased margins and EBITDA, you know, company. And so that is bringing uh, technology 
and the technology leaders, the CIOs, under the you know under the under the microscope right now. The, you know the light is shining there. Uh, on average, IT costs for a company have been increasing you know ten percent plus year over year, right? And and it's really an interesting market right now because IT is being impacted from from a couple of of cost drivers. I mean, one you know we just had the, you know the great resignation. We had skill sets right disappear. Right, the the war for talent is on, which is has increased. Uh, you know, the pay for for skilled technologists thirty five to, to to fifty to even sixty percent based on the skill set. So you have this huge ramp up of cost there. And I mean, the reality is that suppliers, you know, vendors are also using inflation as a way to go out and drive you know costs increases back into their you know into their customer base as well. So what would have been a 10 percent you know year over year suddenly they're looking at 20, 30 percent year over year, and that's just not sustainable for a business. It's, it's not sustainable for a business specifically within the service industry, right? So you get a, a company that's providing yeah. technology services that have margins to meet and then have a cost to push forward to the customer. Uh, that's a really good point, John. The, the other interesting thing back to what Alex was, was mentioning, Procurement's job is to find services, but as technology evolves, the, the real question becomes, are you selecting the right vendor? And I think one of the biggest yeah. challenges now is when you have someone within a specific vertical and they've spent the last 10 years there or they're with a single entity, you're, you're kind of like, you kind of have tunnel vision, right? And you're, you're looking at things yeah. from one perspective. When you work with the third party, what tends to happen is they start to bring in information across verticals, across company sizes. They're bringing in things uh, of successes and failures from other organizations that may be applicable to this particular situation. And that's critical, right? Because that's like what you said, John, it can make or break a company if you choose the wrong vendor. There's no scale. If costs uh, get out of hand. Yeah, I mean, I think, Greg, that, 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 that's a good point, too. And, you know, there's some things that we look at when we go in and start working with a, with a, a company and particularly in the technology space. Um, you know, one we look for, you know, is there really clear visibility into just the contracts? Where are the contracts? Where, you know, what, when are renewal dates? What are the auto renewal processes? I mean, we just had an organization recently. In the first week, we found half a million dollars in spend with suppliers that they actually weren't even using anymore. But just there was no visibility into the, into the relationship and no one asked the question why. And another another indicator, as you said, and I love the point, Greg, that you said about you know, a company that's been with the same same vendor for ten plus years. Right? You know, what we found is that if if an organization hasn't gone to RFP or done a major replacement of a core vendor, most commonly they're paying anywhere from fifteen to twenty five percent above market for that spend because they've never reset themselves or rebooted themselves to where the market is. And, and so they have a contract with a year over year increase. You know, three, you know, it was 3% typically, now it's running seven, eight to 10%. And you know, that is just cost escalation that's building up year over year on top of them. So, so I mean, these are the indicators. If, if we look and say, you've been on the same supplier core vendors for, for you know, eight to 10 years, we can automatically say, we know based upon our market intelligence that we could take that cost down, you know, anywhere from 
anywhere from from ten to ten to fifteen percent just by going to you know and sitting down at the table with them and asking the right questions in terms of you know resetting the the spend. Greg, here, hearing you and Joan talk about this, it's almost as if you have set it and forget it. We found a thing that works well enough for us. Don't change what isn't isn't broken. John, how often should technology leaders be evaluating their technology stack? We've touched on the ever-changing landscape, but they have something that works. We talked about the responsibilities they have beyond sourcing the latest and greatest technology or procurement more more broadly. Is this a, you know, a constant thinker on the pulse? Uh, or is this, you know, when you're... Know when your contract's up for renewal and take a look before you hit that date. Yeah, they should always be ahead. And, and it shouldn't really be driven by the contract. It should be by, driven by their business strategy and what, what they're looking to, to, to accomplish. And so I mean, most businesses have a three-year technology plan in place to look towards you know, replacement, refresh, um, strategic initiatives, right? There should, should always be that balance of budget between, you know, keep the lights on, you know, advance the business, right? And innovate that, uh, that, they're, that they should be operating under. But I mean, really it, it, needs, to, it needs to focus on the, on the needs of the business and the needs of scale and the needs of risk protection um, as, as opposed to who the, who the supplier is. And, and, and the reality is that, um, you know, our experience, you can always open up a contract midstream if it doesn't work for the business, right? You can either look for other alternatives and, and you know, and, and uh, execute on exit clauses. You can always uh, renew the contract and, and extend it with new terms and conditions. And so I think that's, you know, one of the big, mis you know, misunderstandings, Alex, is that you can't do anything with a contract until you've come to the come to the conclusion of it. You can always open up a contract if it's if it's in your best interest. And this is overlooked constantly. So, John, that's a really, really great point. Um, another thing, Alex, is there's a lot of complexity around long term versus short term initiatives. So a business first has to understand when they sign a contract, is it going to be for a year or is it going to be for three years? And a lot of that stuff's going to drive uh, how you negotiate. Um, like, for instance, you know, connectivity. It's the biggest commodity out there. And these are contracts that should be si signed short term because the costs are going down so substantially year over year. And then there's data center, right? Data center, you know, you can sign those long term contracts because it's more like real estate and you know you're not going to be moving. So, you know, you really have to get nuanced as you start to understand um, the types of services that you need, how they scale with your business and you know, this will drive, you know, your negotiation tactics. Um, I have a question that I'd love to hear John on. I think this is something I've always struggled with, and I know you have a lot of experience with larger organizations. They're a rat's nest. I mean, I hate to use that term, but I mean, if you look at, you know, these large organizations that have acquired, you know, a dozen businesses over the last 10 years, you know, you sit on top of, you know, duplicate contracts, um, you know, costs, you know, savings in every little nook and cranny that you can find. But what I'm realizing is they can't get out of their own way. And the, the bureaucracy and, and the, the, the desire to not change, you know, uh, is, exists. So how do you suggest a large enterprise that has million, tens of millions of dollars in savings potential start to realize that? Yeah, that's a great question. Question, Greg, and, and I think anyone who's gone in and assessed an organization 
that has grown through, grown through acquisition or, or merger sees that all across, all across the organization. Uh, you know, some of the things that we're seeing right now that, that are really a change, right? Yeah, historically, and when things are good, you know, when things are rolling, when the finances are rolling, when the economy's rolling, when there's not these pressures, it's easy to overlook some of the hard business decisions. And, you know, and one of the biggest ones is, hey, we've acquired a company, you know, we, we love the, you know, the adjacency to, to our core business of that company. We've, you know, there, there's, the, there's the views that we can integrate them quickly, but, you know, but we don't want to rock them. They've been successful. There's a secret sauce there that we invested in. Right. And so there's this you know, concept of you know, thought of let's leave them, leave them over to the side. I mean, I've, I've seen I mean, I've seen across all industries, I mean, billion dollar uh, acquisitions that are, are still operating standalone three to five years after they, they were required uh, and, and not even looking at you know, some of the you know, kind of the low hanging fruit of, of you know, common contracts. We've got, a, you know, a common um, you know, we, you know, we've, we've got common, um, you know, no network equipment. We've got, you know, common desktop applications, right? Right. These are all contracts that can easily be, be integrated and, you know, not only dr you know, and drive out costs because there's economies of scale that, that can come with them. Is, is and, that manpower? Is it manpower? Is accountability? People don't want to be accountable for messing something up. Like why? You, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. If I had some hair, I'd be pulling it. Like I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm not really maybe sure. Maybe you already did. I mean, yeah. maybe yeah, that's right. Maybe I probably already did. But but I you know I just don't you know I don't understand you know where that come you know where that that comes to comes to play. And I, I think part of it is that it gets de, you know it gets deprioritized on the list of initiatives. You know, compared towards things such as integrating staff. Right, because because you know integrate staff, you know you know look for commonalities, build a common uh, you know you know for example in the case of IT a common IT structure, right? I mean those, those have those those can have big dollar ramifications associated with them. You know when it comes to the contracting side, you know typically there's just not an alignment of of contract you know contract end dates, so it always seems to get you know you know the can gets kicked down the road. But I mean, we're firm believers that that organizations should be looking day day one or even pre-close, right? As part of the due diligence process, should be identifying those areas and and rationalizing and streamlining the supplier base. You know, like any you know any initiative, if it gets momentum, it gets going. If it has accountability and assignment, it gets moving. And, uh, and so there, there are just, you know, we always recommend, you know, like, let's start with some of the more commodity-based, you know, contracts and, and overlay them um, because, you know, there are going to be others that are absolutely going to be more of a strategic decision. So if it's in healthcare, you know, what's going to be our electronic medical record, right? Or how do we share data, you know, data on patients to give good continuity of care? Or from an ERP standpoint, making sure that our, our core financial and administrative processes, we understand how we're going to operate them. Like those strategy decisions are usually put, you know, put on hold any contract, 
and supplier uh, alignment. And, and so that's why, you know, our belief is lay out a roadmap, start with what you just know you can naturally integrate today, start working on it. And, and actually some of the savings that you'll get from those contract alignments will give you the dollars and the financial power to actually go out and then work on some of the more strategic initiatives that, that, are, uh, that, that, that take more time and, and uh, thoughtfulness. Great, great advice. John, you touched on the larger enterprise, maybe so especially the more acquisitive larger enterprise going through that acquisition and then the, the integration. But I can't help but think there's a lesson in here maybe for that earlier stage company. We're talking about larger companies dealing with, I would define it as technical debt, which I know is a pretty broad definition, maybe just keeping the rat's nest behind closed doors. Or Greg, I think you've used the term tangle of technology before, which, which I like. And I don't have time to unspool the tangle. But what about those earlier stage companies who are just starting out on their journey? It sounds like there's a real opportunity to make technology investment a value add or a driver for the business versus simply a, a cost center and a commodity. Go ahead, Greg. I'll, I'll start this off only because I know John works skews a little bit larger in organizations. I'd love to kind of just kick it off and, and have John feed into it. You know, I've noticed that a lot of the early stage startups are leaning heavily on cloud-based technologies because it's easy, right? It's less invasive, it's less committal. And what happens is these things get very expensive as they scale and they're not paying attention to that. And what happens is if you're out raising a million dollars or $10 million, I mean, that's runway. It's a year, year and a half, maybe two years. And if you choose the right technology and not the easiest technology, um, that will add a substantial amount of runway to your investment because as you scale, that cost comes down as opposed to goes up. Um, that's my two cents. Um, this is early stage, you know, A round, B round type companies. John, anything to add? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think there, there's, a, there's a couple of things. I mean, that skill sets, access to talent um, is, is, I mean, that, that, that's a competitive advantage right now for organizations. And so that, that, that includes not only the decision of who to hire, but I think it also, go, you know, it also fits in with the decision of what are our core competencies and what should we outsource, right? And get more of a shared services model. But as a, you know, as a, company, as a company is growing, you know, if they don't have the, the financial resources, for example, to have a full-time chief information security officer, right? Now that function to any business is critical. I mean, you know, it's, it's a risk that every business you know, faces, you know, irregardless of the industry or the size or scope, right? If you lose your data, right? If you're recognized as not having tight controls, right? That's a brand hit in the market that, that will you know, impact your, your customers. It'll impact your ability to, to attract capital, et cetera. You know, that's a skill set. It's a, it's, a, it's a strategic imperative that you're really good at it, right? right? But if they can't afford it, then let's outsource it. Let's, you know, let's go get a, a company to take on that function for them. And so it, these are where the decisions come in. It, it's, it's really, it's about making sure that one, we, we understand the criticality of the role, we understand the need, right? And then they're exploring all the options, right? To ensure that they're getting uh, the quality of service, right? And, and, and the needs for the business at, at a cost competitive basis. And so, you know, I know. No small companies investing in procurement up until a point, right? So what are they doing early on to, to do all these great things that you're describing? Are they working with a third party? Are they, are they 
watching YouTube videos? I mean, like seriously, how, what would be the best suggestion to, to lead one of these companies the right, in the right path? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's the, you know, couple things that, that we, we witness. you know, and you're right. These companies, they're not, they're not focused on putting in place a world-class procurement strategic sourcing function. Right? The growth companies, are, their, their attention is on growing their customers, growing their products and services, making a name for themselves in the industry, which is absolutely what, what they should do. Right? That, I mean, you don't, have, you don't have the resources or the need for, for strong strategic sourcing and procurement if you don't have those other, those other pieces first. But they do get to a point in time where, where the, the scale of the business has outgrown those, those high-touch early-stage processes. And what I mean by early-stage is CEOs and CFOs are involved in every buying decision. Right? You know, we need to go buy laptops. Okay, where are we going to go get them? You know, there's this degree of control from the senior executives typically, right? Because they're, they're watching every penny closely. As they start to get to a certain scale and size, they're just not getting that diligence on, on, on their spend every day. And what, what typically happens is it starts to get, get uh, decentralized the control of dollars out to department owners. And, you know, or within the IT department, it can be the, the product development team, it can be the customer service team, it could be the help desk, right? You know, you know, all of these various areas start to start to go their, their own way. And I think that's where they start to get the breakdown in really strong strategic sourcing and procurement functions, right? Because now we're back into, as we were talking earlier, right? A technologist is focused on the technology and acquiring the technology. They're not necessarily focused on making sure that we have the most cost, you know, cost-effective service, you know, oriented, you know, contract for, 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 for longer term. And so, I mean, we're typically where we start to see is that, you know, when a company gets into the hundred million dollar range of, of spend that they actually can start to get cost reductions from renegotiating their contracts because they're, they're, they have enough economies of scale to, to actually you know, use some, some weight with the, the suppliers. John, you're taking me down memory lane a bit here. I'm thinking back earlier on in my career, I worked for a, a startup, I'll just say in the streaming music space that maybe we all use the service now, but I remember we were all generalists and it's when the specialists started to arrive, I felt like we were onto something. And when the procurement team arrived, I felt like we were really <laughs> onto something. Like we've, we've accomplished something. But it, what's interesting, you, Greg, you talk about maybe those smaller mid-market businesses, John, maybe uh, dealing more with, with enterprise. It's the resources available. Those third-party experts are there. And I, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a secret, not intentionally so. Um, you've got people that you can tap into to help drive your business further. And you don't have to carry all the weight as a leader of an organization of, of any size, be it within technology specifically or, or overall, if you're a smaller organization. Um, and it, it, can, it can provide significant benefits to your company now, and maybe even more so down the line as your business scales. Yeah, yeah that's a great point, Alex, because uh, you know, one of the things that we're working with uh, procurement organizations across, across all industries is it, it's, it's really, I call it, it's, it's the concept of, you know, get out of the procurement office. 
and get out into the business, right? Really becoming a value-added resource to department heads and, uh, and, and, and key managers, right? To help them with their procurement needs. And you know, part of it is, you know, bringing bandwidth to do research, right? Bringing bandwidth to, to explore the market and bring options to the table. Bandwidth to, to uh, lead some of the discussions with the supplier in terms of, you know, what do we need you to bring back to us? And by, by becoming really a partner with, with the business, right, right, what happens is, is that it, the relationship now evolves into the, okay, we're going to help you start to put in place the most advantageous contract that not only protects us with spend today, but also protects us over the next several years as well. And, uh, and, and that's where procurement specialists you know, can really build up a, a, you know, a go-to-market strategy, right? And, and, and you know, we talked about smaller or growing companies, you know, just as a, as a simple example, right? Using you know, where the business expects to be in the next three years Right? their scale and their size, and selling that as the reason why we, we deserve a, a particular price point or a particular level of service today right? because of who we're going to be. And uh, you know, an example, we did this with a, uh, you know, a technology company growing rapidly. Right? We aligned their needs with a particular, uh, uh, a particular spend category with their uh, budgeted financials. Right? What they were actually communicating out to the street in terms of their growth and their forecast and their three-year plan, right? And so when we started to bring it in, that started to give us scale. That that actually it was kind of interesting. I mean, we we actually were uh, negotiating with a, a value-added reseller, and the uh, actually the equipment manufacturer ended up calling the CFO directly because the size and scale suddenly tripped, you know, up into the actual manufacturer and they started looking at the contract and the client differently. Wow. And so these are the sort of tech techniques of like a strategic supply, a strategic sourcing specialist can actually bring to, to the end users to help move a process forward, but also get a, a really, really strong uh, contractual arrangement. See, strategic is such a, a key term here because it, it's, the eventual purchase of the good or the service, the procurement, that's a critical stage in what is a larger process, but it all begins with strategic planning. You're sitting down, being that partner, looking at the company's goals and objectives, near term, but long term as well, and determining how best technology can play a, a role in that, in that journey. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like, I mean, Greg, I mean, this is, this is part of what, what, you know, what you're bringing to, to your clients, right? It's that view of, where is the market going? You know, not only you know, for example, in the U.S., but globally, and what are options that 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 you know that they just don't see because the the, the market is evolving so quickly. Imagine us creating a documentary that follows the life of two companies, two exact companies. One decides to really take a hard look at procurement before they even start the company, right, and put process in place best practices around procurement. And the other one kind of just, like every other startup, kind of just starts, right? And they, they figure it out later. Um, I'd be curious to see what the A, B, and C round valuations, the differential, right, in economics would look like 
based on having the right processes in place. And then ultimately when it becomes something, right, these, these big kind of companies, these rat nest companies that we talked about, would it still be a rat's nest? I'm sure it'll be some of that, right? But do we, do we mitigate all that, um, you know, haphazardness by starting the process earlier and putting an emphasis around how important and how critical it is early on rather than later? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Greg. And, and I, I'm going to answer answer it in, in really kind of two pieces. Because, you know, one, certainly I'm biased. I feel that, that a company that puts in place these, these structures right, is going to be, you know, ahead of the one that didn't put it in place. But speaking particularly to, to uh, private equity and uh, in, in the past year, right, there's a big focus on on valuation and returns right now. And whereas in the past, uh, the ability to, you know, the, the cost that was available to strip out of, of an, you know, for example, an acquisition um, was really never factored in, not heavily. I mean, because it really didn't have a drive, it wasn't really a driver to the, you know, to the valuation. But now with there being so much capital chasing fewer deals, organizations, PE companies are actually looking at, you know, what is their spend process? You know, what is their cost controls? What sort of cost is, is available to be stripped out as part of the due diligence process? And this is something we, I've never really seen. You know, this was always a, you know, hey, that's over to the side. We'll deal with that later or let, you know, potentially let the next investor deal with it. Right now, you know, we're actually being brought in to go in and do you know, rapid assessments of, uh, of a spend profile and identify available dollars to be pulled out through whether it's better contract uh, and negotiation or contract, you know, rapid contract integration and consolidation. You know, even before the, the deals are closing, it's being factored into the valuation. So I think it's you know, a small company right now. I would recommend that they put in place controls because if they're going to go out and, and be looking for more capital, which most of them are going to be, then uh, you know, this, this actually could be you know, to their advantage in terms of, you know, uh, in terms of uh, both the investors that they attract, but also the, the terms that they get associated with that. I agree. You're not building a building knowing that you're going up 22 stories and, and leave bricks out of the foundation, right? And say, oh, you know, we'll, we'll backfill that when we get to floor 18. You know, it's like you risk the, the whole thing collapsing. I mean, it's extreme, but. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and this is, a, you know, I mean, this is a case. I mean, I, I, as, as I shared earlier about uh, bringing on, uh, you know, outsourcing uh, skill sets for, um, to get shared, you know, shared service resources or shared resources with with other companies. I mean, strategic sourcing is one you know we're doing all the time now. I mean, there's an opportunity to uh, to to use kind of use you know you know pay as you as you need model, but for large spends, periodic reviews that uh, that organizations are saying you know we we do actually want to invest some you know, into looking at, at procurement strategic source and where we're going and making sure we're staying, staying ahead of the market. We, we've actually implemented something called cooperative buying, which is a term that's existed forever, right? This is, if right. you think about like a true value hardware, you know, 7,000 stores across the country, 
each owned independently, but they all buy as a single unit, which is powerful, right? And I think that what we've leveraged, at least within our ecosystem, is the ability for some of these smaller companies when buying infrastructure services to buy as though they're a large company. And even the large companies, right? We're trumping in a lot of cases the pricing they can go direct with because we're in essence buying billions of dollars in services every year through all of our clients. And we use that as a leverage point with the vendors. Yeah. Which, I mean, not only does that give those companies a greater you know, price point, but you know, just think of the organizational disruption of going to market for some of these companies. Yep. So, so all the time, the effort, the churn that they would go through themselves, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't bring them anywhere near the price point that you're able to, to, to bring to them. Plus, you're also bringing them the expertise of, of, of what's going on from a global perspective and different types of options that they, you know, they just don't have the time or, or time, effort, experience to actually go research those you know, on, on their own. Yeah. John, we're, we're very lucky in the Upstat podcast. We've got a range of listener types. We've got existing customers who tune in. We've got prospective customers, you know, technology leaders of organizations of varying sizes. Greg, let's be honest. We have relatives chiming in because we make them. <laughs> hopefully some colleagues as well. Hi, Mom. Um, but we always want to give them, there's so much to take that they can take in from, from today's conversation. And I feel like we're just getting started. But for a technology leader who maybe has gotten some valuable tidbits from this conversation, I'd love to leave them with a list of, of questions to ask themselves as they figure out, okay, I'm going to take this step. I'm going to untangle the rat's nest or the tangle of tech, or I want to build this company right from step one to maximize my ability to raise capital in the future, future valuations. What are some things that, that they should be asking themselves? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good question. And so I, I think there's, there's, a, there's a couple of things that, that a technology leader should be asking themselves. You know, first is, do I, understand, do I know where all the contracts are? And do I have a regular process where I review contracts that are coming up for renewal to assess whether or not I need it? Or, or, or how do I want to interact with that supplier in, in, in the future? So I think first is just, just the visibility. Right. Are you on, you know, on top of it? I think the sec second thing is to ask themselves is when was the last time I went out and did a competitive market scan, whether it's an RFI request for information, it was an RFP, um, brought in a, a specialist to, to review my, my contracts, but, but just look to see, you know, and, and understand where you stand relative to the market today. And then, you know, the third is, is that, you know, as we discussed, you know, earlier is have I done any, you know, have I replaced any of my major technologies in the last several years? And I think if any of those are, you know, I'm not sure or no, then I, I would estimate that for each of those categories, there's probably 10% cost saving opportunity that exists for them. I'm, I'm going to add one more box to John's list, or one more line to John's list, and that's usage. I think it's critical as you start to look at end dates and contract status is, am I using what I originally contracted for? And I think you'll be shocked to find a lot of companies that are underutilized. So when they go to renegotiate that contract, either midterm or end of term, there's going to be a write down. And again, don't assume it's at, you know, at status quo. 
chances are your data center is underutilized from a power standpoint, your fiber lines are underutilized from a kind of you know total committed technology uh, committed bandwidth standpoint and and more. So definitely look at your usage across uh, platform. It's a great it's a great add on. I'm I'm going to add on one because I can't be left out. You know, who is that strategic partner you can work with when it comes to procurement? When it comes to strategic planning, we talked about the stages of of the process of of the journey because. They're out there, be it Upstack or our friends over at REIT. Um, clearly, there's a lot of uh, alignment or synergies between our organizations, John, and therefore the topics could be numerous. But we also know you have a day job, as so many of our special guests <laughs> do. But uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, as I joked in the pre-call, this experience will always be with you, but we hope to have you back soon enough. And we look forward to crossing paths with you out there, helping organizations transform their businesses uh, every day. Thanks for, for having me. I really enjoyed the time and uh, hopefully it comes across. I've got a real passion for this and, uh, and helping, helping businesses grow and achieve the next level. We, we appreciate you and your partnership. Uh, and for all of our listeners, uh, you know, John's list of uh, kind of actionable, you know, 101 items and, and, and Alex and my list of actionable items are one of about a thousand. So if you want the other 996, feel free to reach out. You know, between John's list of questions and, and your add-on, we'll leave mine off, Greg, but your add-on and your idea for the documentary, I think we've got a lot of, a lot of IP that need to trademark pretty, pretty quickly here. John, thank you. Listeners, we always appreciate you tuning in. This has been the Upstack Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Upstack Podcast. Don't forget to like or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.